this is Danielle Krissa from The Jealous Curator, and this is episode 213 of Art for Your Ear. Once again, today's episode is supported by Storyblocks, an online treasure trove of media that you can use to tell your own stories. They don't just have images, they've also got music and really lovely video. Storyblocks makes it possible for creators to keep up with the growing demands for modern video content so that you can bring all of your stories to life without being stopped by pesky things like time, high costs, and the equipment required to shoot original content. Storyblocks has affordable subscriptions, unlimited downloads, and inclusive content. You can learn more about Storyblocks by visiting storyblocks.com A-F-Y-E. That is art for your ear. Storyblocks.com slash A-F-Y-E. So I met today's guest in, I want to say, 2016, 2017, when I hosted one of my Girl Crush workshops in Vancouver. Sandeep Johal was just at the very beginning of what has become a thriving, exciting art career, and I cannot wait for you to hear her story. So you know what? Let's not wait. I'm just going to jump in right from the second she answered my call. (laughs) Ready? Talking to Sandeep in Vancouver. Hello. Hey, girl. Hi, how are you? (laughs) I'm good, Danielle. I'm so tired. How are you? (laughs) I think that's going to be a theme because of life or because you're like, you're so busy. Yeah, I'm doing a mural number eight right now at the VAG and it's just like, it's awesome, but like, I'm, I'm tired. Yeah. Are you (laughs) doing that after we're done? Like, do you have to, you're. No, I'm just doing meetings and stuff today, but I'm going to go there tomorrow, Thursday. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. It's been nuts. I mean, I can't complain, but it's been, it's been a lot. Yeah. No kidding. Well, let's just jump right in because there's so much to say and I'm going to say it to you all before. Um, Okay. Well, you know what? We just recorded that. Let's just keep that in because that's just the truth. <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay, Sandeep, when? Yes. The last time I saw you was at the Vancouver Mural Festival. Is I it? think that's the last time I saw you in person. Oh, wow. That was like three years ago. Is that it? It I feels think. like it was 12 years ago. <laughs> um, was that your first mural? Uh, no, actually, I did one of aliens playing pool in the 90s at Boys and Girls Club. I wish I had a photo of it, but I don't. Um, but fast forward to 2017. And I did actually I did my first one through Thrive Art Studio because they did that mural that's, residency program. Yeah, that's right. I knew that there was one before. <clears throat> okay, so that was years ago. But we see, I, like, I feel like I know it because of Instagram. I'm like, oh, yeah, I've seen yeah. her. I'm like, no, that was literally years ago. Um, and we actually met for the first time a few years before that when I did Girl Crush Vancouver. That's right. And I don't know when that was. Like, that was 2017. 2017. Okay. Yeah. And Danielle, I actually want to read you something. Oh, dear. So at Girl Crush, you gave us a piece of paper. And it said, I blank am destined to blank. And we had to write, we had to fill the sentence out and then we had to repeat the sentence until the end of the page. Do you wanna know what I wrote? Okay. I wrote, I Sandeep am destined to be a successful full-time artist and support my family. And I'm doing all three. Oh my God. 
And honestly, like, I don't know if you realize this, but your workshop was so, in a lot of ways, really pivotal. And it just, I don't know, in a weird way, gave me permission to like dream those dreams, mm. you know? And I remember you saying, I, oh, I so could, deep, you can do it. I, I remember that so clearly thinking, I remember thinking that of you because you, in that workshop, well, how old was Safa at the time? He was a baby. He was, he was two. Okay. So yeah, you're yeah. in it, right? You're in that. Yeah. And, but I could just see that spark in you. Like I was, you were just kind of getting going and I was like, oh my God, if, you know, if, if we open the door, she's just going to go. And you have. Yeah. yeah. It's just been so fun to watch. And it's, it's actually, let's be honest, it's tiring to watch you. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I'm like, oh my God, she's got another show. There's a collaboration. There's another mural. And you've got I know. a kid. And I'm like, how are you doing this? But it's so, you're just doing yeah. it. Yeah. You know, honestly, I just, I wanted this for so long. And now that it's here, I just, I'm in it. Like I'm fully in it. Like yeah. I work 25, eight. I am <laughs> thinking about art, like all the time. Like I am 3000% invested in what I do. Yeah. And you can see it. It's awesome. Okay. So yeah, now we have you. to rewind yes. a little baby Sandy. Yes. And where, where did you grow <laughs> up? And were you making, were you a crafty little kid? Yeah. So I grew up near you in Kelowna. Oh, did I know that? I don't know. I was, yeah, born and raised. Oh my gosh. In Kelowna. Yeah. Um, so I love it that you're an Okanagan gal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, my dad actually immigrated to Canada in 72. And then he sent for my mom, brother and sister in 74. And where were they? And then they were in India in the north. Okay. And then I was born in 75. And so my parents didn't really have um, the ability to like sign me up for art classes and all those types of things. But my mom did give me a bunch of legal pads <laughs> and a pencil. That's and all you need, I baby. Just, that's all that's you need. all I needed. <laughs> and I would just sit there and like draw all day. And then I would like put everything up on my wall that I shared with my sister and like in our bedroom. And as soon as my drawings would encroach onto her side of the bedroom, she would just like rip them down. And then I would start again and then repaper my wall and then make it to like the halfway point and then she'd rip them down again. But yeah, I basically just spent my entire childhood drawing. Wow. And so in your mind, were you thinking, oh, I'll be an artist when I grow up? Or was that not even like a thing? Like, what yeah, did your family was, think of like that? I assume it wasn't encouraged. No, I was like kind of the weird kid in the family <laughs> um, and kind of in our community as well. Like everyone always thought I was a little bit different, um, not in like a bad way, but just like I just had different interests. I dressed differently. I acted differently. Um, but it was never I never thought of it as an option because in South Asian culture, you have like five prescribed roles you can be a doctor dentist lawyer engineer or pharmacist you know what I mean right and so I just kind of did it as a side thing I just really enjoyed creating and it also helped me challenge like channel all of these sort of angsty feelings I had growing up um so yeah it wasn't it wasn't something that I thought I could actively do and so what did you think you were going to be a dentist 
Definitely not. Uh, <laughs> I think that's so gross looking at people's mouths all day. No offense to all the dentists out there. You do amazing work. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think I like in high school, I was like, oh, maybe I'll be an architect. Um, so I took a drafting class. And then I was like, oh, maybe I'll be a psychologist. I'm like, Ugh, I don't want to listen to people's problems. So yeah, I just kind of, uh, I actually wanted to go to Venezuela on a rotary exchange after high school, but I needed five to $7,000. So I asked my parents and my mom was like, no, you're going to college. And I was like, yeah, but I'll go after, I'll just go for a year and then I'll, I'll go to college right when I get back. And she's like, no, you have to go to college. And so I ended up doing a biology degree. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And during my degree, my instructors were constantly like, are you sure you're in the right faculty? And I'd be like, uh, what do you mean with my like fake twists and my rainbow gloves and my like hand embroidered t-shirts? And they were like, you should be in the arts faculty. And I was like, oh, but I didn't like, I didn't understand it because I didn't know that that could be an option. Yeah. And then I ended up moving away for a couple of years and then I came back and I did my B at UBC and six months in, we did an art class and the instructor was like, why, why are you doing this program? And I was like, oh, I don't know. I like kids. I like teaching. And she was like, you should go to art school. And so this was the second time in a professional degree program where I had an instructor tell me I was in the wrong faculty. And so I promptly called my mom. I was crying and I was eating ice cream. And I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, am I doing the wrong thing? Should I quit? Should I go to art school? And she was like, well, you've already invested six months. So just finish the year, see what happens. And then maybe later you could do that which is actually surprising to hear my mom say that. Right. And yeah. so um, after I finished teaching, I taught for a year on a reserve actually with my friend and then came back and decided I didn't want to teach. And then I moved into the lost years where I just like had no idea what I was doing with my life. And then at almost 30, I ended up uh, going back to school to do um, one year of art school because I... I guess in my mind, I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to like check it off my bucket list and then I'll have no regrets at my deathbed knowing that I did like one year of art. And the moment I walked into the studio spaces, it was like, I've never, ever felt that I've belonged somewhere more than I did in that space. And it was just the weirdest feeling. Like I was like, this is home. Like this is where I'm meant to be. And so I ended up doing the two-year diploma program and I had an A plus average and I won the design award. So I was thinking like, okay, like maybe I am good at this. Like maybe I could have a career in the arts. Oh and so after I graduated, my sister was like, don't get a job, be an artist. I'm like, yes, I'm gonna do it. And then I spent a year being like stressed, depressed and like broke as fuck. <laughs> and I didn't really like make anything. So I was so stressed out because I had no money and then I didn't know how to market my work. I didn't know how to network. Like I had no idea how to be an artist because there were no like professional practice classes. Yeah. And so I was like, well, I don't, I don't know how to do this. So then I just went and got a proper job. And what was your proper job? I was teaching at Immigrant Services Society. Okay. Yeah. So teaching like new immigrants, refugees and international students, English, and like helping them sort of navigate uh, being in a new country and learning like those key phrases and things they need to understand in order to like live everyday lives here. Right. Um, wow. Yeah. When you're, while you were doing that, because now you were getting a paycheck, did it help you relax? Like, were you making art at night or anything? Or did you just kind of stop for a bit? 
kind of like I was I was doing abstract paintings and I laugh because like I'm not an abstract painter but I was doing like very random commissions for friends and to be honest it wasn't great work but my friends were very supportive and yeah I just kind of my goal was to just get out of debt and save some money yeah. and it was actually around the same time I started this job that I met my husband Chris and then we got married two years later and so that was a big change for me to like you know be married and have mm -hmm. like a real job and so yeah I wasn't really actively making much and so what did he think um like did he really even know that you identified yourself as like that you were an artist inside doing something else oh, yeah totally um and a few years into our marriage he just saw like how unfulfilled I was in my job and he was like you know I think you need to start making art again and I was like what and he's like yeah and I think you need to make a website and I was like oh I'm like, can you help me? He's like, no, you need to do this on your own. And so I like begrudgingly like figured out how to make a website. And then I just kind of started very loosely just making Mandela drawings because they're so easy to do and like second nature to me. And line drawing is really my first love. And I just kind of started putting it on my Facebook and then friends and family were buying them. So I'm like, oh, okay, well maybe I'll just keep making more of these and then eventually it'll become something. And then I found out I was pregnant with Safa. So then I was like, oh, fuck, what now? You know, it's just kind of like getting into the groove. And then, you know, I'm like pregnant and uh, creating this human that's going to be coming into my life. So, yeah. Kind of so a big was, project. Kind of a big project. Kind of a big yeah. project, yeah. yeah. Um, and then I had Safa at like almost 40. Mm -hmm. So, you know, later in life. And then... In the fall of 2015, the year I had him, uh, Chrissy took me to a workshop with Jamie, Jamie Smith. Oh yes, and Thrive, uh, it was yeah. like yeah, and it was one of her um, like collage workshops. And oh so that yeah, was that's sort of before she started Thrive, right? When yeah, she was yeah. Collage nights, yeah, yeah. It was kind of like the whisperings of Thrive. Yeah, and I was like, oh, she's really great, and like this was so nice to be surrounded by people making. And then I started seeing like sort of you know, these thrive posts on Instagram. And I just felt a bit shy reaching out because I'm like, who am I? I'm like some mom who doesn't make art. I'm like, I don't know. And Jamie reached out to me and she was like, hey, Sandeep, um, come to the studio and let's chat about you joining Thrive. And she just kind of like coaxed me into joining. And it was honestly like one of the best things I could have done. Mm -hmm. When yeah. you met your people too, like so many. Totally. And just having like the support of Jamie and like her knowledge and expertise in terms of the business aspect and just her encouragement and like, yeah, you can totally do this. And again, like almost like giving me that permission to be like, oh, maybe, maybe this can be a reality for me. And then of course I met magical Penny Lane that same year. <laughs> yes. And I like, I had a consult with her and I just felt so out of my league. Cause I had like these really lame paintings. I was, you know, super tired mom. And she came over and we were talking about my art. And then she was like, Sandeep, what are you passionate about? Like, what's the thing that really moves you? And I was like, well, you know, I really care about women and I, I care about gender justice and, you know, violence against women. And then I just started like bawling and she goes, that's what you need to be doing. And so she kind of changed the trajectory I was on and pushed me back into the work that I wanted to do, but I was 
a bit afraid to do. Yeah. And it's sometimes like, that's the great thing about working with someone like Penny Lane is like, Mm -hmm. when it's you, you know how you can give other people a great advice, but you can't give yourself, (laughs) you can't see the forest for the trees when it's your own thing. And I've heard so many people say that she'll go to their studio They'll have all this stuff laid out for her and she'll dig into this one little pile that you didn't totally see. And she'll be like, what's this thing? What's this? You should be doing, you know, and she's right. Like, because it's this thing that you hid away and that, you know, I I try and talk about that a lot, but I don't do it as well as as Penny Lane, but finding that thing that is you, Mm -hmm. which is easier said than done, right? Like sometimes you do need an outsider to go, I think this is the thing. Totally. Um, because that's when I met you, you were had started doing the uh, drawings and you were starting a series about women. Yeah. 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 And it's funny because, well, not funny because of the subject matter, but funny because um, that series, Rest in Power, I had started doing these goddess drawings based off of this fictional goddess from Shauna Singh Baldwin's novel, The Selector of Souls. And I had actually initially done a little 12 inch by 12 inch painting of it for Rove, which was one of Jamie's art walk events and someone bought it. And so I'm like, oh, cool. Maybe I'll do like a bunch of mini paintings of this sort of fictional goddess. And then, um, but first I'll do some drawing studies to figure out how I want to draw them. And as I was doing the drawing studies, it coincided with Inktober. And mm-hmm. so I, I posted the first goddess and it was around the time that um, an international student, Natsumi Kogawa, went missing in Vancouver. And she was Japanese. Yeah, and I'd lived in Japan for two years and I taught tons of Japanese students. And so I felt a real connection um, with her going missing. And I was just like, please let her be okay. And we find out that she was not okay and she had been murdered. And so I'm drawing this goddess and I'm thinking about her and I'm like crying. And then I just wrote dedicated to Natsumi Kogawa, rest in power. And people's response was really like, oh, whoa, what happened? What happened to this girl? And I was like, well, just, you know, look it up. And so I thought, oh, well, maybe these goddesses can actually embody these women who have passed away. And so I started doing a different goddess for each day and I was dedicating them to different women who'd who'd been murdered. And I remember Penny Lane saying, Sandeep, how do you choose these women? And I was like, well, I kind of have this weird murder Rolodex in my brain and I keep note of things that happen to women and I file them away. And then I was just pulling out these stories as I was drawing. And it just felt really cathartic to think about these women and then give them this form in these goddesses. And then Julia Krutz from the GAM Gallery reached out and she's like, Sandeep, we want to do a solo show with these drawings. And I was like, what? And so that was the fall of 2016. And the show was slated for the following year. And so um, I created the show. I did 10 drawings dedicated to 12 women. And then I did three paintings that were based off of uh, scenes from the book Selector of Souls. And it was like, that was my first solo show. And it was more than I could have ever hoped for. Like just the level of understanding and care that people had about this subject matter and just people thanking me for bringing these women's stories out and, you know, saying like, I'm going to go look these women up now. And I'm like, great, like, 
let's look these women up, let's learn their stories, let's share their stories, let's preserve their legacies, you know, and let's try to affect change in some way. And so now, four years later, that same series is part of my new show at Surrey Art Gallery. And I added four new drawings. And the best part was, guess who came to the show? Shauna Singh Baldwin, the author of The Selector of Souls. Yeah, from Minneapolis. Did you know that was going to happen? No, she's best friends with my curator's mom. Oh my and She Lord. was going to come anyway. And so my curator's mom was like, you know what? You need to come during Sandeep's show. And so when I was talking to Seth Winder, I was like, oh, you know, I wish Shauna understood like how much her book has impacted me and my art. She's like, well, Sandeep. And then Shauna just walks in and I'm like, oh my God. And I just got all teary eyed. And I, like, I couldn't believe this woman who wrote this book that inspired so much of my work and like really important work was there in the flesh at my show. When it did was, this happen? Was this just? This, yeah, it was September 18th at my opening. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and we were on a panel last year together. So that was the first time I met her and she's just so eloquent and so smart. Wow, what a yeah. moment. Yeah, it was wild. Oh my God. Um, so how, like, that's what I knew you for because that's sort of around when we met, when, when those goddess um, pieces were happening. That your now your murals and things are all very narrative too, you know. Like there's always like a story yeah. happening. Do do you have this constant thing, the goddess thing, running through all of your work, or do you approach each project to tell a different story? Or yeah, I mean, if it's a client like a client based mural, it's really just going to be an aesthetic thing, right? And there won't be like a full sort of story um but when i get to paint the murals that i want to paint i try to incorporate some kind of story and so right now i'm doing um a project with the vancouver art gallery where curatorial and art rental and sales are doing a spotlight on artists from art rental and sales and so yeah. i'm the inaugural artist for the project and i'm painting a mural in the lobby Amazing. And yeah it's really cool um such a great project thanks diana and zoe and uh I was like, oh, what do I want to do for this? I'm like, I get to literally do whatever I want. So I want to like really make it my own. And so I started drawing. And then again, there's the story of Sabine Anessa who goes missing in the UK and she's found the next day. Mm -hmm. And that comes off the heels of Sarah Everard a few months earlier in the UK who had gone missing and was found the next, you know, a few days later. And I just felt again, so enraged and I'm like, a woman can't even walk a five minute walk to the pub to meet her friends. Yeah. Without facing this fear of something happening. And so I was like, I need to make this mural around that and like represent these feelings that I'm having right now. And so I have a seated figure of a woman and that is representing hope. And then I have a seated figure of one of my beast women, which is representing anger. And so it's like, those are the two feelings I always oscillate between it's like this like intense anger for all of these things that happen to women but then these deep feelings of hope that things can change and so I constantly go between the two and then I have them sort of surrounded by a tiger and the tiger is action mm. and so you can feel the feelings and you can have these feelings but without action how can we affect change and so that tiger is that representation of the action we need to take so we don't get stuck in those feelings. And then on the smaller wall, um, 
I have like a little shrine and in the center of it is actually one of my goddess figures and it's basically Ooh, it's like an shrine. actual like a 3d no that'd be really cool though oh, uh, it's oh. gonna be a, a painted one yeah got it got and it got so it. it's like a goddess sort of in a little shrine and it's dedicated to you know women who have been victims of violence and survived women who've been victims of violence and haven't survived and then surrounding the shrine are different sort of um symbols that are really intentional wow um okay here comes a really hard question um yes. before your wonderful husband chris did you ever experience abuse or anything like I, i'm just wondering why this no. is just yeah that's a that's a really great question and you know i'm knocking on wood right now because i have never experienced any kind of abuse um but i think it really stems from growing up in a south asian household and as i became a you know tween slash teen i started noticing how my brother was being treated quite differently than my sister and i mm. and i would ask my parents like why does he get to do that or why does he get to say that but we can't and they're like oh well he's a boy and i'm like yeah but but why and like well it's just the way it is and i'm like but why yeah. And I was such a thorn in my parents' side because I was always questioning. I'm like, why, why, why? And they're like, that's just the way it is. And, you know, like, we should have never had her in Canada. <laughs> I know. They're like, damn, she's so mouthy. <laughs> um, but, you know, and then I like, I grew up in a culture where I saw that, you know, women were treated in a subservient manner. And like my parents had parties all the time. And so all the men are downstairs drinking Johnny Walker. The women are upstairs cooking in the kitchen. And then my mom would hand me a tray of appies and tell me to go downstairs and like give them to all the uncles. And I'm like, no. And she's like, you listen to your mom, you go downstairs and you give them the appies. And I'm like, no, why should I? I'm like, they can come up and get them. And she was like, just go downstairs. <laughs> so I'd like go downstairs, there's so much attitude. I'd be like staring at the uncles and just like placing the tray in front of them so they can grab their appies. And then I'd go upstairs just like really mad and then, of course, when dinner was ready, the men ate first, then the children, and then the women. And I'm like, so the women are just like cooking away in the kitchen while the men are like having the best time. And then they eat last too. And then they clean up all the dishes. And I was like, that is like yeah, the short end of the straw. No kidding. Yeah. And so it's just stuff like that that just made me so crazy. And then I just, at that moment, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to cook and I'm not going to clean. I'm not going to wear makeup. I'm not going to wear dresses and heels. I'm going to like eschew all of that. Like that is not going to be who I am. I'm not going to be a subservient woman. And so I think it really, it stemmed from those experiences. Yeah. Yeah. And so now you're a full-time artist. What does your family think? Yeah, they're kind of tripped out about it. I think my parents <laughs> are like, okay, this, this was what she was meant to do. You know, like there, when I was in Kelowna, I was painting a mural and my parents dropped me off and picked me up every day. And my mom was like, wow, this is a lot of work. And I'm like, yeah, mom, what do you think I do all day to sit around and draw? I'm like, yeah, yeah. I have, like, this is work. And so she was really like, oh, wow. Like, this is really hard. Like, this is like really hard physical work. Yeah. And, and then so, not to not to mention all the paperwork that you have to do, like totally. all the men behind it and the planning yeah. and the meetings and all of that stuff That's is so much a job. Yeah. And I mean, they don't like still totally get what I do, but they do. They are proud and they see that I'm 
succeeding at what I'm doing, you know, and it's taken me a long time because I just kind of floundered after high school. Like I was a really motivated student. I loved school. I did really well. And then I just kind of floundered and I just, I knew in my heart, this is what I wanted to do, but I just didn't know how to do it. And I didn't have the support and I wasn't really brave or confident enough to try it. Mm-hmm. And, so, and that's so, that's so common. Yeah, totally. Instead of art at first, just because it's the yeah. same thing, even though I had been the art kid, it was just like, well, that seems crazy. Yeah. And everyone's telling you, you can't do it. Right. Like, yeah, oh, you're star- star- like starving artist, you know, and I'm so sick of that expression. And so that's kind of another reason why I'm working so hard because I want to dispel that myth. And I want to yeah. show people that, you know, if you put in some sweat equity and some blood and some tears, you know, you can get there. Yeah. And so Safa's in school now, <clears throat> which helps. hundred <laughs> percent. Um, and so, but even when he was still little, you were, cause he was two at girl crush and you, I yeah. feel like right after that, you were just like, okay, roll up my sleeves. Here we go. Totally. And, um, I mean, I saw you having him on your hip, you know, when you were like <laughs> at murals and at shows and whatever. Yeah. So you, did you sleep for those years or no? Not really. I mean, I still don't like I'm a night owl. I stay up late, like every night for the last couple of months, I've been staying up between 12 and three every night. Oh my gosh. Um, and I know it's not good, but I'm just, that's when I get recharged. And yeah. so um, I think for me, like it was when I was on my mat leave, um, I was really bummed about having to go back to work. And my husband, Chris was like, well, I'd feel better if you stayed at home with Safa. And then you could do your art full time. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I just like, I was like, what are you talking about? He was like, just stay at home and do your art. I was like, well, do you think I can do it? And he's like, obviously, otherwise I wouldn't suggest it. And he's like, but if you're going to do it, he's like, you have to do it. Like you have to commit full time and you have to take it seriously because once you start earning money, he's like, I'm leaving my corporate job. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And so we, we made a deal. And I was like, okay, I have no childcare. I have no family in Vancouver. I'm just going to make it work. And so I just threw Saf in the stroller. I took him everywhere with me. You know, he's six and a half now. And he's like BFFs with my framer bill. You know, <laughs> he knows all the guys at Deluxe Paints. Um, he's just like, he's been such a part of my experience. And uh, yeah, it was, it was also that moment of like, okay, I have a child now. Who do I want to be for this kid? You know, what kind of role model do I want to be? Do I want to show him a mom who's going to a job she doesn't like every day? Or do I want to show him a mom who's alive doing something she loves? And so that was part of my motivation too. And I was like, how can I tell him to dream big or think outside the box if he's not seeing it modeled at home? Totally. Yeah. And so now. Exactly the same way. Yeah. Right. And so it just gives him a, a different perspective. And we're at the grocery store the other day and this woman stopped me and she was like, Oh, hi, Sandeep. And I was like, Oh, hi. And she's like, Oh, my kids and I did your workshop with the veg and we really loved it. And I was like, Oh, I'm like, that's so great. You know, we chatted for a bit and then I was like, Oh, Safa, your mom's famous. He's like, Oh, my mom's so famous. Oh, I'm so lucky. I have a famous mom. Can I get your autograph? And I was like, wow, you're six and a half and you're totally burning me right now. Um, but yeah, it's just been, I think it's been a fun experience for him to like, just be part of this world. 
I think, yeah. And that's, what's so neat, right. Is that he, he's seeing you do the thing that you want to do, which makes it, he'll know that he, he can do the thing he wants to do, whatever totally. that ends up being, which is yeah. so powerful and amazing. You know, I I've told this story before, but one of my favorite moments for Charlie um, brought to you by the jealous curator was that um, I was speaking at Pixar and uh, they had invited us to come back. Um, I was just there on my own, but they invited yeah. us to come back with Charlie and my husband. He was nine at the time uh, for the um, family and friends viewing of The Good Dinosaur when it came out. Aww. And so we, I was like, everyone on a plane, like we are, like you don't say no if Pixar says, do you want to come to this like totally thing, right? Yeah. And uh, so we went, and uh, Charlie was just in awe, loved it. And he wouldn't have, we wouldn't have been there if it weren't for me doing what I want to do, right? Totally. And then my friend um, Vincent, who works there, he was the one that was giving us the tour after. And, you know, he said, most little kids draw and whatever. And he said to Charlie, oh, so are you, you know, do you draw and stuff? And Charlie said, no. Um, he said, I like writing stories, but I'm not really good at drawing. And uh, Vince said, oh, you want to come see the story writing department? And oh his God. eyes were just like saucers. And he just like in slow-mo looked at me like, what so it was a Saturday there's no one there so um Vincent took us through all the stuff and we got to see and so he was explaining to Charlie like this is where they write the stories and then they go and they sit and then he took us over to the art department and then they sit with the artists and then they go back and forth and they decide what these characters should look like and Charlie was just like what and we left there and he said mommy that was the best day of my life. Oh my god and you know I don't know if he'll end up being a writer I don't know what he'll end up being but like Growing up in a small town in Canada, mm-hmm. I want, you just, you know, he's growing up in the same town I grew up in. And it just didn't yeah. feel, I mean, especially then without the internet and stuff, it just felt like other people did. Like, that didn't seem like a totally. job you could yeah. have. And so just watching his eyes pop out of his head, I just, the same with Safa. It's like, I just want them to know, like, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. And I feel like as an yourself adult, in the right direction, you know? Yeah. He's going to look back on that really formative experience and be like I got to see the possibility in that moment yeah. right because yeah. like yeah growing up in Kelowna I had no role models of my own I didn't know any artists there were no artists within my South Asian community that I knew and there was no encouragement to be an artist because you know and I understand from my parents point of view they left everything to come to Canada for a better life and so their main focus is survival but security yeah. you know they want their children to have a secure future and so I understand that um, intellectually, but yeah. And then like, even in the greater community, I didn't see art as a possibility. Mm-hmm. And so it's moments like that, when a child sees that it's possible, it starts something like it sparks that yeah. sort of recognition. Well, one thing I love so much about your work too, is that like, I mean, you're Canadian, you grew up in Canada, you're born yep. here, but there's so much of your cultural background in the way, in your line work, in the images that you use. And um, was that always really important to you or was it just sort of second nature? Yeah, no, it's been a really intentional choice Um, because, you know, growing up in Kelowna, it wasn't diverse. Yeah. And I felt embarrassed by my heritage and Mm. I feel ashamed now as an adult saying that I actually turned my back from it. And I just wanted to be like my friends. Yeah. And then 
as I grew older and you know moved to bigger cities and different places, I started seeing the value in embracing your culture. I started meeting South Asian people who are very proud of their identities and proud of our culture. And I was like, I do come from a really special culture. Like I really do. And yeah. I want, when people look at my work, I want them to see it, my South Asian hand in the work. Yeah. I want them to know that my work is made by a South Asian artist. So in a way, it's really about identity reclamation for me. It's my way of saying that I'm proud of who I am and I'm proud of my heritage and I'm, you know, proud of where my parents come from. And, you know, I also want South Asian folks to see my work and be like, that's a South Asian artist. Mm -hmm. You know, I had um, my first VMF mural in the alleyway. Um, this woman sent me a message and she was like, hi, I was just walking around I'm from India and I was feeling very homesick and then I saw your mural and I thought that looks like it was done by an Indian person and then I saw your name and she's like and I suddenly felt less alone and less homesick oh that's amazing like, oh. you know and so it's really I want the younger South Asian generation to see my work too and see that it's a possibility yeah you know? yes absolutely yeah. I I had a really good friend that grew up across the street from me um and her family was South Asian as well. And there was, I don't in Summerland, there were two families, <laughs> the Rickies and the Gills. Yeah. <laughs> and so Jody was always like, <clears throat> well, I can marry Bill Gill. That was the only guy that was like our age, you know? And, yeah. and uh, so she, it, I mean, I shouldn't speak for her, but like being one of her close friends, you could see, of course, she was born in Canada, grew up here um, and was really like, you know, she wanted to date the white boys and, yeah. you know, do, you know, go to the Metallica concerts and do totally. all the things. And, um, <clears throat> and then now I, I happen to know she lives in Vancouver now and she's totally embraced her South Asian culture. And she's, you know, and I think maybe when you do grow up and not, I, I there was an artist I interviewed um, for one of my books and that's what she talked about being an other Mm -hmm. they, they moved from, I'm going to get this all wrong, so I'm not even going to say it, but they moved from somewhere to Sweden, I think, oh, wow. and was very much an other. So she, she really worked hard to be as white, to be as Swedish as she could you mm -hmm. imagine trying to be Swedish. It's like trying to be Canadian, right? Like, yeah, it, just so white. And, uh, and then it wasn't until, you know, then she finally just embraced who she was. And then it, it's just like, gotta be a relief and a sense of pride instead of a sense of shame or, whatever and yeah. I just love when artists harness that mm -hmm. and it's such a sense of relief and I feel like I'm doing it on my own terms and I think yes. that's what was really important for me was to do it on my own terms instead of having all this stuff just sort of put on yeah yeah you came to it in your own time in your own yeah. way yeah which is so empowering too right that that something you didn't think you could do art mm -hmm. on a theme that you didn't want to do you know, now you've, you've, yeah. you've married them in your, with your hand and um, there's something really, really magical about it. Um, speaking of magic, collages. Yes. I just saw some yes. collages. Is that new? Um, maybe. You've always kind of done collages. Uh, I think I've done, yeah, I mean, I've always liked kind of piecing things together, but over the last probably two years, I've been doing more collages. Um, I and I'm love also, like, them. But you Thank know how you. I feel about cut up paper. I know. You're the queen. <laughs> I do love um, it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just, I'm represented by Art Rental and Sales, operated by the Vancouver Art Gallery. So I do um, goddess drawings and collage work for them. And I was kind of like, you know, 
as an artist, you got to let your freak flag fly, you know what yeah. I mean? And do the stuff that you find interesting. And I always tell people that, like, do the work that you want to do and you'll find an audience for it. And so like doing these weird beast woman collages, I was like, I, I don't know. I really like, I don't know. People, you've been you've been hanging them. around with Sarah Khan too <laughs> yeah. much. It actually, you know what? Honestly, it did come from a like a fun little sort of drawing collaboration we did together, and that kind of sparked the beast image for me. And yeah. then you're actually you're so right. Um, and speaking of Sarah and I have a show coming up next year in September. Oh, where? Yeah, at Evergreen Gallery. Oh, cool. Yeah, That's awesome. so it's, yeah, pretty sweet. Did you, when but did you guys meet? Did you meet through Thrive? You we met her? through Thrive. Yeah, I met her online and then I was like, I have to meet this weirdo. Like, she's so weird. I like, love her. She's I love her. Funny. Like, she's so weird and awesome. And then we met in person and we we're like, okay, this is happening. Like, yeah, totally. We're a thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I just started making these beast collages and I, I was like, why not? You know, and, um, people like them. And so it's just, it's just cool to like make the things that you want to make. And I think people know when you're being authentic with your work. Totally. Yeah. Right. And this, so keep, that's this, such... this conversation keeps coming up over and over lately. It's crazy. Yeah. Like being it's authentic. Yeah, yeah. And just truly making the work that you want to make and not worry about all the external stuff that comes with that. And people yeah. can tell that it's from a genuine spot. I was actually going to ask you that because uh, rewind a tiny bit when you said you first started doing those um, goddess, they were drawings, right? They weren't paintings. They were, yeah, drawings. Yeah. yeah initially they were black ink. Yeah. Drawings. Black ink drawings. That's yeah. what I remember. And you said someone bought one. It's really hard to then go, to not go, okay, I'm just going to do this totally yeah right and yeah. to be like well people like this I'm just going to keep doing this and you, you I mean you did to get your foot you know to get established mm -hmm. but then you've also gone yeah but look at the, look at this tiger over here <laughs> and like look yeah. at this collage and these beast women like to continue yeah. to push yourself and to do the things you want to do when you kind of hit on something that people were liking you know that that's yeah. such a that's such a, a, a trap that you can put yourself into quickly right yeah absolutely and like with the goddess drawings um they started out so the initial one I did was a little painting that sold and then I did the studies and then I did the drawings for the show okay and I actually I don't know I I sold two of the goddess drawings to a friend of mine and then I regretted it I was like this isn't work that's commercial. I can't sell this work. Why did I sell this work? This is about mm. these women. And so I like just, you know, I've had people wanting to like buy that work or, you know, sell it for me. And I was like, sorry, this work is not sellable. Mm. Like I, it's not available for sale. And so even just seeing it up at Surrey Art Gallery, it's like, I want it to be bought as a collection. Yeah with a gallery or a museum or something. I don't want individual people to own it because it's about these women. Yeah, yes. And yeah, I want to show a lot of care. And, you know, one of the women in the series is Maple Battaglia, who was killed by her ex in 2011, so 10 years ago. And she was a resident of Surrey, and that piece is up at Surrey Art Gallery right now. And so I want to gift it to her family oh, so that they amazing. can have that. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah it's just really... I think it's important to have a develop a style that's recognizable across many different mediums. Yeah. 
Totally. I completely agree. Ah, yes. Very, very smart. And a nice little segue into talking about story blocks because, yes, they've got lots of assets to help creative people express themselves in a bunch of different mediums. I have used stock photography for years because of my design background, and I even dipped into using music a little bit because, little known fact, I did a ton of animation back in the day. I'm still not very proficient with video though, which is a huge reason I love what Storyblocks offers. For example, I was just on their site and I searched under video for cigarette. That's totally gonna make sense in just a couple of seconds when I start talking to Sandeep again. Um, So under cigarette, I found 967 video results. What? Anywho, go take a peek for yourself. They offer unlimited downloads of photos, music, and video, affordable subscriptions, and inclusive content. Just visit storyblocks.com slash A-F-Y-E. That's art for your ear. Storyblocks.com slash A-F-Y-E to learn more. Okay, we are jumping back in mid-conversation. We left off talking about developing a recognizable style across many mediums. So, how could I not bring up my manic making of cigarette butts? Ready? Here we go. That's how I am with my cigarettes right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like you. The manic, you know what I mean? the manic <laughs> cigarette making at the moment. Um, but I feel like the clay ones, people want to buy like a little ashtray full of them, right? And it's just like, yeah. mm, can't do that. I, I want them all to be part of one big giant show they're also they're also more amazing when there's gazillions of them yeah as opposed to a little you know yeah Um, but they need to tell one great big story Mm -hmm. and so i've started doing paper cigarettes oh cool are my hands yeah they're they're black i was dipping paper cigarettes in (laughs) ink to try and make the ends look like they were burnt Greg came down to the studio yesterday. My whole hand was black. And he's like, oh my God. okay, I'm just going to head out because <laughs> I don't know what's happening down here. And I was That's like, what I <laughs> But those I could see, those I'm working on for a commercial show that I'm having yeah. in Nashville next year. And it's just like that, it is so weird. It's all just gut instinct, right? Yeah, it's totally. Like, this doesn't feel good commercial. This, you know, like you just, you have to do what makes you feel good in your mind you know you have to like trust your gut trust your intuition and like even like in taking those risks too like when I did my residency at Bright Arts um earlier this year yeah that was the other amazing thing uh, yeah no thank you yeah I decided like I've been telling other women's stories and so I have to be brave and I have to tell my own story right because I just felt like it was time for me to talk about myself and I wanted to do a show about motherhood because I finally felt like I was in a space where I could be objective and I wasn't so mired in those really intense feelings of motherhood. And so for the bath show, it was like, okay, I'm going to do a really truthful show about motherhood and my experience with motherhood. And, you know, I took those beasts that I'd drawn or those beasts that I made collages of, and I created these like eight foot textile beasts. Yeah, you know, and it still looked like my work. Thank you. Yeah, I I was really proud of them. And of course, Penny Lane was instrumental in like helping me figure it all out. Um, And it was like, it looked like my work. It felt like my work. 
but it was a completely new to me medium. And I'm so glad that I pushed myself because I could have just done like something that was easy and familiar to me, but I was like, I have this opportunity in this residency to really push. Well, that's, and that's so interesting because motherhood is super uncomfortable and brand new. Oh, you know, like so people can tell you till they're blue in the face, what it's like to have a baby. And you're like, uh-huh, I'm cool. I got this. Yeah. And then you look, look at my cute maternity outfit. And then the baby comes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's just and you're like, like what the fuck oh, have I got myself yeah, into? And, and everything is new. You can't like, you can't predict anything. And suddenly the baby's in charge. And it's just so interesting. I don't even know if you did that subconsciously, but like to put yourself in such an uncomfortable position to try some, a new, completely new medium. So interesting. Yeah. I mean, I love taboo. I love talking about like really taboo things. I love talking about like really intense things. I can be like a very intense person talking about things, but I'm also like super lighthearted. And mm. I think that's what allows me to keep doing that intense work because I do have a sense of humor and like I have a way to decompress. Right. But you know, I how, just, how long was that residency? It was 10 weeks. Wow. Yeah. And so I had put, like I had written out all these like feelings, these sort of dark feelings about motherhood on post-its and I put them up in the studio. And then right away I was like, oh my God, if someone sees these, they're going to think I'm a bad mother. Like that was my first instinct and they're going to judge me. And I don't know if I could do this. I need to like take them off the wall. And then I was like, no, this is the point of the show. The point of the show is to talk about these dark feelings. And so I kept them up and they actually made their way into the show. The post-its? The post-its. Yeah, I did actually ended up doing an installation on one of the walls and the post-its were part of it. And I had so many mothers contact me and be like, thank you. Like just to see my feelings laid bare on that wall really helped. And I was like, you are so welcome. I even had male friends I know who don't have children who were crying at the show because the imagery and the words brought up something in them, maybe experiences with their own mother or, you know, I don't know, but again, it was like a really emotional show. And I'm like, in a weird way, it's like, I want, I want people to cry. Yeah. My shows. Like I want, I want them, I want it to connect with something inside of them and bring up those emotions and like have those conversations, you know, that we're so hesitant to have. Yeah. That's always my goal with girl crush. Yes. I want to make them cry. Yes. I purposely bring like tissues with me because I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to break. And I, I think a lot of people, including me, cried at Girl yeah, Crush. I think I did yeah. too. I cried at Girl yeah. Crush too. It was very um, emotional. That's why I stopped doing them because uh, I couldn't handle it anymore. <laughs> I was like, whoa, I'm exhausted. <laughs> um, okay. So here's like a weird position to put you in. I love um, it. <laughs> if you like being uncomfortable, Sandeep, I'm bringing it. I sure do. Okay. So we have just, um, there's been so much. Um, focus which there should be on all of the residential schools and all of the sort of um horrors that have been put on the indigenous people of canada um and there's so many like um you know with this uh in the states that gabby petito woman who was killed by her we assume fiance yeah allegedly we don't know um but yeah ten he totally did it yeah Yeah. (laughs) um and then people saying, you know, but what about all, like, there's no focus on all of these in, like indigenous women that have just gone missing. Have you ever yeah. considered doing a series about, you know, the indigenous women that have gone? I, I have, 
but I won't because I don't feel it's my place. Yeah, that's what um, I was going to ask. Like, I really, I, I really wanted to, to do that in my rest and power. I wanted to incorporate Indigenous women, but it's such a sensitive topic, and I don't want to overstep, and I don't want to, I don't want to be just another person you know, yes. taking over something that's so sacred to Indigenous communities. Yeah. Um, I would absolutely do it if it was in collaboration with an Indigenous artist. Yeah. But I'm very, yeah, I'm very hesitant about doing certain things because I never want to disrespect another community. I absolutely hear you. I, I absolutely hear that because it is, um, when you don't feel like it's your story to tell Yeah. in a way, but I think, yeah, if you did a collaboration... Collaboration God, would be powerful. Amazing. That would be, and so I mean, funny. I did do a collaboration with Deborah Sparrow um, for India Summer Festival, where I designed a goddess, and then she uh, designed the uh, patterning on the goddess. Oh, okay. And then um, they fabricated it out of wood, and they put it in the pavilion. And then on the ceiling was a vinyl that was a combination of my work and Deborah's work. Oh, so it was wow. like this goddess, like kind of reaching for the sky. So that was that was really cool. Um, but that, yeah, that was a collaboration facilitated through Indian Summer Festival. But I just uh, think yeah, something there. Like I'm putting it out in the universe for you to do a collaboration with somebody because, um, like what you said right off the top about, um, you know, the the first one when you wrote Rest in Power and people were like, what What happened to her? Yeah, um, that's part of the problem with all of these missing Indigenous women. People just don't even know that it's happened. Like if you could shine a spotlight and have people go, what? Indigenous women are going missing? Who? And like actually put a name to them. Yeah. And I get like, yes, totally not on your own because I get why. Yeah. But I'm putting it out there because I think if there was some kind of collaboration, I love when art puts a spotlight on things that need spotlights. It's so oh, powerful, absolutely. you know? Yeah. And um, I feel like, you're so bold and your work is already in that camp. Um, so I'm just putting this out for anybody listening or for the universe, if it's listening, because I think, you know, and maybe it won't happen for a couple more years or whatever, yep. but I just think I could see you being instrumental in some, some change, you know? Yeah. I mean, it would be amazing. And it also brings up those ideas around like what you were alluding to where, you know, women of color, often their cases don't get the attention that white yeah. women's cases do. And like, we know it, we know the media loves a good, like pretty white girl. Yes. As yeah. compared to a woman of color who's gone missing. Um, and so it's just really highlighting and in rest in power, like I think over half of the women are South Asian and then there are women from different countries like Mexico and Argentina and Sweden and, and you know, Brazil and women of different, backgrounds and I'm I'm trying to like really share those stories of marginalized women yeah um so that people can really respect and honor their lives as well because it's it's important like everyone's lives are important and should be respected you know yeah um so yeah I mean it would it would be amazing and I I would love for this to happen and it, it would be like a really meaningful project. So yeah, let's just put it out there. Yeah. It's out there now. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's so, um, I was, cause you know, I, I ran and dropped Charlie off at school and I was getting gas and getting back here so we could chat. And whenever I'm doing that, I'm always thinking about the yeah. interview coming up and all the stuff yeah. we're going to talk about. And, um, 
it's so crazy because uh, my husband and I yesterday were just talking about like how paths can happen like mm-hmm. you know like the sliding doors movie like if you turn left instead of turning right like how yeah. your life can change so much and I've talked about this a little bit on the podcast before but I was in a very abusive relationship mm-hmm. in my early 20s and um, I left him uh, basically <laughs> yeah good in the night you know kind of left <laughs> and um, I always just think like I could have very well ended up dead. Mm. You know what I mean? If I hadn't turned left instead of right, if That's I hadn't a very made scary the, thought, it's a very scary thought. And I have done a really good job of shoving that down mm-hmm. and not thinking about it. And this is way too much information, but I sometimes forget that I'm recording this. I feel like I'm just having coffee with you. So I'm <laughs> yeah. just going to say it in yes. case there's other women out there feeling like this too. I mean, that, that was 23 years ago, but I've never dealt with it. I mm-hmm. just was like, I just, I'm strong and I'm yep. tough and I'm going to move on. I've got a, I've got a lovely husband now and a happy mm-hmm. life and I'm just not going to think about it. But then it comes up in other ways, right? Like yeah. anxiety and dreams and mm-hmm. paranoia and um, things I've suppressed. And a, a really good friend of mine, we hike um, our local mountain every week and we've been talking about it a lot. And she finally, <laughs> we got back from one of our hikes and she sent me the name of a therapist. <laughs> Oh, well, and she's like, I know it was like, it's yeah, it's time. And she said, I know it was two decades ago, but Mm -hmm. she's like, you need, there's no weakness in going, you know what? I need to face this stuff because none of that was my fault. And I think in a lot of these situations, it's like, well, she shouldn't have been walking to the pub by by herself at night. It's like, uh, ah. Yeah, she should be able to walk wherever the hell she wants to walk. And no person, whether they're your partner or mm-hmm. a stranger or like in the UK, a cop, like they do not have a right to put their hands on you or to do, you know. And so yeah. I kind of feel like now at like 48, <laughs> I feel like it's time to forgive myself and just mm-hmm. be like, that was not my fault mm-hmm. um and to actually like I'm kind of scared to like to pick at the scab you know like I'm kind of scared to know what's under there because I've really yeah. done such a good job of ignoring it but I mean I could have very well been killed that is and so awful, Daniel. I know it's horrible you know but, and you just don't even think of it because you're like la, 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 everything's fine yeah. everything's fine and uh it and everything is fine it all turned out yeah. great, but then you think of these women who it didn't turn out great for. Yeah. It's horrifying. It um, is horrifying. And I just, I love that you are doing this work. It kind of makes me start thinking about my work and maybe starting going to this therapist. Like I'm, I've got this big show coming up in March about, you know, my, my uh, defunct reproductive mm. bits. And yeah. I think that's an important story to tell too, but like, I'm so Definitely. curious now come going to this therapist. If, you know, I always say this is a superpower of artists is that we can turn some really dark shit into art and, and take 2000%. the power back, yes. you know, yes. and like, even like you writing those negative things about motherhood, it's like, you can turn it into a positive. You can turn it into this really beautiful show that other yeah. people relate to and it helps them. And it doesn't mean you're a bad mom. And, you know, me dealing with like the hysterectomy and all of that stuff, I mean, for a long time I was on the couch crying about it or 
I can put on my coveralls and go to my studio and turn it into something beautiful that will hopefully talk, speak to other people. And maybe going to this therapist is going to do the same thing. And it's coincidental that like I messaged the guy yesterday and now you and I are talking about this <laughs> and it feels like the universe is like, go do it's it. Time, Danielle, yeah. <laughs> it's time, Danielle. It's time. I just want to say like, I'm so proud of you. And there is no sort of statute of limitations on pain. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it takes a lot of courage to speak to someone about it. And I think really good things are going to come from it. it I, I know, I, like, I know opening old wounds is a painful thing to do, but you'll turn it into something and you'll turn it into something with your art and mm -hmm. it's going to help you process all of that, you yeah. know, and, and like you were saying, how fortunate are you that you're here able to do that? Yeah. Which yeah. Is, exactly you know. yeah so yeah, and here i'm telling you to go off and do this this <laughs> impactful art that will help people and i'm like well, i could also do that. yeah <laughs> so I mean, let's all go do that <laughs> totally and i've like i don't know i've always been a bleeding heart and i've always fought for the Me underdog too. and i've always wanted to talk about tough topics and i think because it was pretty censored in my house like my parents didn't really ever want to talk about these tough topics but i always wanted to um, and just like interrogate and question. And you don't realize by you honoring who you are as a person and putting that in your work, how much that can actually help other people and support yeah. other people. I had a woman who DM'd me and thanked me for doing the work that I do because she said her mother had been murdered. Oh my God. And I felt so like, I didn't know how to respond because I was like, I'm creating these works around these women and telling their stories. And here's a real life woman telling me that this happened to her mother. Yeah. And I was like, wow. So I'm going to send her something because I want her to have something. Um, but it just really puts it in perspective. You know, when someone tells you they've gone through this experience personally, um, and it makes you realize how much care you need to to put into the work that you're putting out with the world, especially when it's around other people's stories. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah it's intense. I'm so glad you didn't end up becoming like a biology teacher. <laughs> oh my God. Me too. <laughs> and I just like, I, Danielle, honestly, I wake up every day and I'm like, this is my life. Like, I knew it would be, I could just, I, I knew that's where you were going. It was so easy to see. You were so but, encouraging. Like you just, the way you were like, oh, Sandeep, it's totally possible. You, you just said it in this very like, of course it's going to happen kind of way. Um, and I think just even with, with, just so girl, you know, I don't, I don't say that to everybody. Oh, I, I, I don't. And I, I just could see your, the fire, you know, I just knew that you were like ready. And usually when people come to something like girl crush, it means it's yeah. because they're ready. It's, time yeah yeah and they're like, like someone tell me to go you yes. know it's like okay yeah, give go. me that green light yeah and even just like all the inner critic stuff like creating our critic collages and I still have mine I still refer to it and just really realizing what a disservice that inner critic was doing to me yeah and you know now I just I feel so confident my hands are so confident and I I think for me, the challenge now is to just be like, whoa, I just did this awesome thing. I need to actually tell myself that it was an awesome thing and congratulate myself for it. So I'm just like, cool, on to the next thing. Yes. But like taking me a too, moment. That's a huge, like, 
Yes, to actually stop. And my husband is really good at pointing this out. He'd be like, if this had happened to someone else, Mm -hmm. you would be like, holy shit, that's amazing. But when it's you, you're like, cool, what's, okay, what's next? And what will this lead to and whatever? And it's just like, okay, well, hold on, hold on. Let's actually celebrate this. And um, I think that's um, not to get, well, we're getting heavy and deep again, but I think that's a woman thing, right? Like you don't want to oh, brag. Sure. Yeah. You don't want to brag and be braggadocious. You have to just be like, oh, well, I don't know how I did that. It's like, oh, I'll tell you how the hell happened. I did that. Yeah. yeah. And totally. especially Canadian women, um, you know, we're, we're taught to apologize. Yeah. And I think it's, it's really hard work to be like, I'm just going to pat myself on the back because that was pretty awesome. Yeah, totally. Like, to do that. I'm super proud. Like the show that I have up at Surrey Art Gallery, that was on my bucket list. Yeah. And I met with Jordan Strom, the curator in 2017. And the second part of my Inktober challenge was doing these because I was like, okay, enough about these depressing murders. I need to focus on resilience or something else. And so I started doing these line drawings of Indian women who I thought had done really remarkable things despite growing up in really oppressive circumstances Mm -hmm. and having that perseverance and that resilience to just push through. And so when I met with Jordan, he was like, oh, Sandeep, this would, um, this would be interesting. Like if we could turn this into something and have a show. And that was four years ago. Wow. And then that ended up turning into what if a recreation of my teenage bedroom with 13 of these women embodied in textiles and objects in the bedroom. You know, and so again, it it just opened. Yeah. And it's up till December 11th. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. And then rest in power is being shown alongside of it. And then my projection for facade fest for Jyothi is being shown in the room next door. Yeah. So it's kind of like a mini survey, (laughs) you know, and again, I was just like, damn, like this show is tight. Like I did it. Yeah, he did. And I feel so proud. And again, like I've never done an installation. And so how do you feel going into that? Do you feel nervous or do you just go, I'll figure it out? I mean, always, yeah, I'll figure it out. But I was like, I like Jordan was, I was actually going to take the smaller gallery. And then Jordan was like, Sandeep, why don't you take the main space? And I was like, what am I going to fill it with? And he's like, we can bring some of your older works in. Ah. And I was like, ah. And then the space that the installation's in, I felt it was just still too big. It wasn't intimate enough to be a bedroom. So good old Penny Lane was like, Sandeep, we're going to localize it in the corner. We're going to just push everything into one corner. The lighting's going to be in that one corner. And that's how we're going to make it intimate. And I'm like, oh, okay. And so, yeah, it was just kind of like, it went through so many iterations. Like the first idea I had is so much different than what it became. And yeah. I had to go through all those iterations for it to be the show that it is. And, you know, I did, I created my first wallpaper. Chrissy Arsenault was amazing in, in basically helping me create this wallpaper. I, this, the gallery built a bed. They built shelves. Wow. Like it, it was like so legit. And, you know, I was like modifying objects. I was embellishing things with fabric. I created a textile, like all these things that I don't normally do. And again, just like pushing myself. And so when you look at the work, you know, it's me. Yeah. But it's just me in another form again. So when you come out of doing all of that, uh, because that's how I've been feeling, like all of a sudden, you know, I, I just sort of embraced my love of weird objects because yeah. I collect them all from thrift shops and then put them all over my <laughs> house. And I'm like, hold the phone. Why am I not putting this into my art? And then I was starting to feel like, oh, but should I be doing 
2D stuff because that's what I was trained to do. And then so I start working yeah. on 2D things and the next thing you know, out comes the epoxy glue and something got glued onto it, you know. So yeah. having that whole experience, do you come out of there going, oh, I feel really feel like doing ink drawings or are you like, ooh, let's glue more shit onto other stuff? Um, I kind of... Or are you just good with all the melange? Yeah, I'm good with everything. Like right now I'm working on a bunch of illustrations, so I'm working digitally. So I just... okay. I move very easily between mediums. It's mm -hmm. very easy for me to just like, okay, now I'm doing an installation. Great. Okay. Now I'm doing a mural because I'm literally doing a mural right now. And yeah. then, okay, I'm doing some digital in illustrations. So I'm able to just like switch yeah. very quickly. Yeah. Um, and you're right. You've, you've really created your visual voice. Like it's always so easy to tell that it's you. Um, like when I'm scrolling through yeah. Instagram, <laughs> I, I always know when it's you, I don't even have to see that your name is there. Um, was I just going to ask you, uh, Oh, this is why I'm leaving the beginning in when I'm like, we're just going to start when you're like, oh, I'm yeah. so tired. Yeah. Now people understand why. <laughs> yeah. I know. Cause people are like, how do you do it, Sandeep? I'm like, cause that's all I do. Like, I don't do anything else. I don't go on holiday. <laughs> I've ignored my family since May. Uh, my husband is the best. Like he is so supportive. And then he reels me in when he feels like it's time for us to do some family things together. <laughs> Staff is just so stoked being in after school care now that like when I come to pick him up, he's like, oh, so I don't feel that guilt in the summer. It was my first time putting him in all day summer camps. Cause I was like, I need to paint. Um, and so just knowing but that he like, loved he, it, he loved it. And so yeah. he's just so easy in that way. But, um, yeah, like I'm, I'm tired. Like I really, I, it's all I do though. It's all I think about. It's, I live it. I breathe it. Like That's I just, I'm so happy to finally be here. I felt like such a failure for so long because when from K to 12, I was this like really like outstanding student, you know, in grade seven, I got the most outstanding student award in grade 12. I got the most outstanding student award. Yeah. And that's your identity, I, right? It that's was my your... identity. Yeah. I was like, people thought I was going to go on to do these great things. And then I went to college and I was so depressed about doing a biology degree and not knowing how to break out of this box that I was in. And it just kind of, I flailed and I just felt like I had fallen so short of my potential. And I just had this like guilt and mm -hmm. sadness about it for so long. And I just, I hated well, that when you, feeling. And when you have an identity, whatever it is, mm -hmm. and then that goes away, you're like, whoa, whoa. like, who am I? Yeah. Where, where's yeah. that cornerstone that I were, that I can identify with. I felt the same way being an art kid and then not doing well at art mm -hmm. school. Right. Was like yeah. what the art kid totally. sucks at art school. Like this <laughs> yeah. is well, upsetting. According to someone else. Well, you know, and I probably did though. I mean, I didn't, I wasn't conceptual. I didn't, I was at the wrong school. Let's just, I was, yeah. at, it was a super conceptual school and I was not old enough to be conceptual yet. So yeah no shade to the school. I just was, I shouldn't have been there. Mm -hmm. um, I should have gone somewhere more practical. Like I should have done a college. I, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but yeah, losing, finding that, you know, not having that identity is terrifying. And I love that you call it the lost years because, <laughs> you know, when, and I had those too, yeah. living in my parents' basement being like, what? Like now, yeah. you no. Know, yeah. And I was working as my dad's receptionist and I was like, well, that's the end of everything. I was 22 <laughs> and I was like, well, might as well just give up. Um, yep. And so for anybody that's listening, who's feeling like they're floundering or 
like, oh God, because when you're in those lost years, mm-hmm. you you cannot see the light. You can't no. see that you are going to ever find your way out. And I think what no. you were saying at the beginning about just being authentic and like, don't worry about what's selling online. Don't worry about what the mm-hmm. galleries are doing. Just do the thing that you want to do. And it's going to resonate totally with, with, at the very least, you. Mm-hmm. you know and it yeah. will probably resonate with other people and that's what's going to lead you out of those that fog yeah. you know and it's timing right like I I met my husband who is the most supportive person and if he wasn't like that would I be doing this probably not you know he was the one constantly encouraging me to get back into art he's always supporting me he does so much behind the scenes to make sure everything's taken care of while I'm working and you know I needed that I needed to have a kid to put my life into perspective yeah I needed to meet Jamie. I needed to meet Penny Lane. I needed all of those things to happen at that moment. I needed to be a 40-year-old to have some life experience under my belt to really want it. You know, I think if I went to art school right after high school, I don't think I would have been an artist. I don't think I would have made it. Well, when you said that at 30, when you walked in to do that, you know, into that art school to do your one-year thing and it just felt like home, yeah. I don't think it would have felt like that at 18. No, not at all. And Because like, you would have I known was... that your parents weren't supported, you know, like all that totally. stuff would have factored in and you wouldn't, and you weren't comfortable in your skin probably at that Mm-mm. age. And so to walk in at 30 and have it feel like home, as you were saying that, I was like, I bet it was because she was 30. Yeah, and Early, I was one know. of the mature students, you know, yeah. at 30, and I was hanging out with a bunch of 18, 20-year-olds. Um, one who's become my best friend. Uh, oh, that's amazing. So, yeah, he's amazing. And, uh, yeah, so it's just, like, timing. But you you have to be sort of at that precipice where you're ready for it. Yeah. You know, and then, like, everything has happened so easily for me. Everything has just kind of come to me. And I feel like because I'm doing it at the right time, at the right moment, mm-hmm. and things have just fallen into place. Which... And I think you're also very willing to, like, listen to other people. And, like, when you were talking about the show in Surrey, and it's like, the curator said this, and then Penny Lane said this. And then, you know, like, you're not just doing this all on your own. You've uh-huh. got this this amazing group of people that you've now come to trust and you're friends with. and. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Penny says, let's push it all into the corner. And you're not like, no, no, that, you know, because you've decided something in your head, you're willing to be like, yeah. oh, no, there's an idea, you know? And I think when you are willing to, I mean, I resisted Penny for <laughs> literally years. Oh, my God. I always call it the possum. Like, I'd get an email uh-huh. from her saying, hey, I've, I hadn't even ever met her. And she's like, hey, I have some clients that are interested in your work. Could you email me what you have available? I just didn't write her back. Oh my God, Danielle. <laughs> and so we now call it the possum where I just like play dead. Yeah. She's yeah. like, hello, like, does this email work? But I was just like, I don't have photos of that work. I'm yeah. not ready to sell. This is years ago. I'm not ready to sell it. I don't yeah. know. Priceless. <laughs> and then we've now since become friends and mm-hmm. she thinks it's hilarious. And, um, but letting her into my house for that first. Oh, so nerve yeah. And Jamie made it happen. Jamie forced the whole thing to happen. And I Jamie's was like, so good at that. yeah, I was like a cat in a bag. I was like, no. And I always joke like, you know, she came to my house. She was in the Okanagan doing a bunch of yeah. consultations. And so she's like, I'm just coming to your house. Jamie gave her the address. She just showed up. I saw her pulling in my driveway and I was like, <laughs> yeah, close the curtains. Pretend you're not home. Lock the doors. Lock the doors. <laughs> and it was amazing. And it changed yeah. everything. But she yeah. did, she said, um, because that's when I was doing my little collages with like the swoosh of paint and like a little person. 
and I was selling them and like, you know, wanting to show them and stuff. And she's like, these are amazing studies. I was like, studies? You're like what? These are the final thing. They're like finished pieces. Like yeah. And she's like, yeah, no, I think they're a good start. And I think here's how you can push them further. And my first instinct was to be defensive. Yeah. And to not take that help. To be like, no, I know what I'm doing. And this is blah, blah, blah. And then after she left and you actually think about it and it's like, you know what? Yeah, take the help from these insightful people these experts yeah and push yourself into places where you're uncomfortable try new things and that's how you that's that's how how you you evolve like these textile pieces that's how you end up creating your recreating your bedroom like you know instead of a black ink drawing like yeah far you have come in such a short time it's wild it's so exciting it's it's really exciting and like penny lane was like cindy if you have to do studies and i'm like what's a study like I had like no idea when I took Penny Lane art school, I had no idea what the difference was between an artist run center, a public gallery. Like I had no idea. And the other thing that I love about Penny Lane is like, I, someone could give me like, Oh, Sandy, if you're going to do a show in five years, I'm like, great. I will start working on it two months before the show opens. I don't know what it is in me. Every show I've done, it's like two, two and a half months. That's when I start like actually physically working on it. And so in the summer, Penny Lane was like, Sandy, if I'm a little worried, like you're doing a lot of murals and uh, you're like two months out from your show. I'm like, yeah, yeah, Penny Lane, don't worry, I've got it covered. And then I'm like, fuck, I've got two months. And so I, you know, made sure I booked another appointment with her like a month later so that I'd have stuff to show her. Right. So I just like worked my ass off. I'm like, hey, PL, so this is what I've got. And she's like, oh, wow. Okay, good. You've got a lot done. I'm like, okay, good. And then I booked another one right before the show so that I could show her that I've, you know, I'm on track, but I need that. Like I need her to light that fire under me to be. Yeah. And to have, to have that check-in to force you. That's sort of what I have with um, PETA coin right now. Oh, Um, nice. Just having that checking because you're like, oh, I haven't talked to her in a while. And we're talking on Monday. Ooh, I really should do all the things I told her I was going to, you know, so that she can see where I am. And, um, yeah, it's nice to you have that person. Them. Yeah, and yes, yeah, so I don't pause them. <laughs> it doesn't have to be a con, uh, you know, a consult or whatever. It can just be a friend who yeah. keeps you honest, like Jamie or whoever. Like it can, you know. So if people are thinking, oh, I can't afford, you know, to do consultations, you don't yeah. have to. Just make those appointments with a good friend who's gonna keep you honest and keep pushing you forward. Yeah, you know? I need I need Penny Lane. I need her like <laughs> scary. I need her to just be like Sandeep in a very stern voice. And then I'm like, okay, mom, I mean, Penny Lane, <laughs> you know, like I just, I need, I need her to just do that yeah. for me. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, okay. I've kept you for so long and it's oh, yeah. so awesome and I love it, but so now awesome. we're doing the not so speedy speed round. Okay. Before you are allowed to get back to your emails and murals and shows and stuff. <laughs> okay. Ready? Okay. Ready. My classic coffee or tea. Used to be tea. 100% coffee now. I was going to say, all the things you've got going on, you better be drinking coffee. But actually, you know what, Danielle? It's decaf. I can't drink. No. I know. I can't drink coffee because my heart starts palpitating really fast and I get shaky. Oh, yeah. I know. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, am I having a panic attack or have yeah. I had too much coffee? Yeah. It could really go either way on any I just pretend day. it's caffeinated. Yeah. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's just the ritual of the deliciousness. Yes. You know, it's like, <laughs> I don't even want the caffeine. I just want the, I just want to take a pause. Yeah. And go make the coffee and smell the coffee. Yep, I don't actually coffee. really care. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> Earliest memory from a school dance. Oh, God. Um, my friend Aaron Vance and I, we had ribbed tank tops. 
and she said we were going to wear them as skirts. What? Yeah. And so we pulled the tank tops on as skirts and just folded them over. And that was what we did. And then also our principal, Mrs. Forbes, when kids were slow dancing, yeah. she would come up between them and be like 30 centimeters, 30 centimeters, just to keep people apart. It was really weird. They but did yeah. that at ours too. Yeah. While we danced to Brian Adams. Um, did your tank top stay up? Yeah. We, and did your parents see that tank top? I'm going to assume no. 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 Absolutely not. <laughs> I, I um, my first dance, I wasn't allowed to wear a mini skirt. <laughs> uh, so I went over to Michelle Nielsen's house and wore her mini skirt. Loophole. That's a, that's a good loophole. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't my mini skirt. It was Michelle's. That's actually, that's actually really clever. That's right? so good. Yeah. Um, well, okay. One of my best loopholes. I know I can't tell this story in the podcast. I can't. Um, I'm going to go back and tell the story of wearing that mini skirt. I was also wearing a tie-dyed pink and purple shirt that had hearts on it, like tie-dyed to have hearts. Very cool. Also Michelle Nielsen's full outfit by Michelle Nielsen. Nice job, Michelle. And um, I was just telling Greg this story. So our high school was eight to 12. Is that what yours was too? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I was in grade eight. There was a guy in grade 11 named Ben Alway. He was kind of a Depeche Modi type. Oh yeah, moody and angsty. Yeah, with like the pointy shoes and the skinny yeah. jeans. And yeah. I just thought he was so cool. But I was in grade eight. Like he didn't even know yeah. who I was. Well, he crossed the gym. He must have heard rumors that I had a crush on him. Crossed yeah. the gym, asked me to dance. Oh my God. That's like yeah. out of a movie. I know. So I'm now dancing with Ben <laughs> oh my God. But it was ballroom blitz. And you know how you have to go oh. down onto the floor? Yeah. I'm wearing Michelle Nielsen's miniskirt and so everyone's down on the floor but I was too shy to go down on the floor so now yeah. I'm the only one standing out standing. which makes me stand out even more <laughs> than if I had just gone down on the floor it was like it was like six oh, candles it was like the god. mortifying grade eight yes dance. oh my god I know and then I ran <laughs> into him when I was in university and I asked him if he remembered that and he in fact did remember that he was like yeah you're that weirdo that yeah was standing there. yeah and he never talked to me ever again <laughs> oh God. good times well, you got good your times. you got your dance out of it so yeah well right <laughs> after this i'm gonna go see if i can pull any of my tank tops on his skirt see what happens <laughs> greg would probably be it all over be that a, it has to be a stretchy ribbed one yeah yeah well yeah, yeah it's gotta be really <laughs> stretchy at this point um, okay favorite dessert oh god i love dessert everything, i know I, I i knew that how would i have known that I don't, I like also salty things. So I kind of just love all junk food, but I love mint chocolate chip ice cream a lot. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. Yeah. That's and that's one that summer. you kind of like, I don't have it very often because there's all, oh, there's so many other crazy flavors, mm -hmm. but then every now and then you're like, give me a good old mint chip. That's just so refreshing. It and is. Rain or Shine uh, Vancouver, they make the most delicious ice creams. And so I just buy like the fancy ice cream and it's so good. All right. I love it. Yeah. Okay. Um, final question. Mm -hmm. Do you have a tattoo? No. Would you get one? Because your work is very yes. tattoo-ish. Yes. My husband has probably like, I don't know, 30 or 40 tattoos. <laughs> um, he's getting his knuckles done soon. Oh my gosh. Uh, I do. I, I have two things about tattoos. I am very non-committal. 
I'm scared that if I get something, I'm going to be like, oh, what have I done? It looks so bad on my body. Like, why did I do this? I was actually, when I lived in Japan, I'm so glad I didn't do this. I was going to get one of those Japanese characters tattooed on oh, me. Oh, yeah. So glad I didn't. Um, I do. Yeah. So, and the pain. But my mom did a drawing circa like 19, I don't know, late 60s. Yeah, probably late 60s of this character called Mango Man. And it's a line drawing and he's got a mango head and he's standing with his arms crossed and his legs crossed. And it is just the cutest image. And if I get one, I'd like to have that tattooed on my forearm. Oh, cool. Yeah. And that way, when my mom yells at me, I can be like, but mom, it's your art. Yeah. Yeah. Because you recently just got one. I did. Your grandmother's mine. Yeah. It's on a weird angle. I can't. Yeah. It's Blanche. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. And In her handwriting. Oh, that's so cool. And how, how did it feel? Like, did it hurt? Was, were you nervous? You've given birth. Like I was like, (laughs) that's true. It was fine. You know? And, um, I said that to the guy, I came to Vancouver to do it. And, uh, I said to him, um, he's like, are you worried about it hurting? I said, I did 29 hours of labor with no drugs. I'm cool. Like this thing's going to take two minutes. (laughs) Like it's fine. And, uh, it didn't feel like anything. I just, it felt like it just tingled. Yeah. yeah, it didn't hurt at all. And I mean, awesome. and it's not exactly like a full sleeve, like there's nothing thick about it. So it was yeah. quick. I think it took him three minutes and oh, whoa. Uh, yeah, and it didn't hurt at all. And it was in a, not a very sensitive spot either, mm-hmm. but I'm the same way. I, I've always wanted a tattoo because I love how they look on other people, but yeah. I can never decide what I wanted. I think this is an artist problem, right? Like unless yeah, you're willing to be like your husband and have 40. Yeah. If you're picking one, you're like, Ooh, so much pressure. And I had a, my nose pierced when I was 23, had it for about a year and a half, got bored. Yeah. Then I got my belly button pierced, had it for about a year and a half, got bored. And I thought, yeah. this is not a good trait to have <laughs> for, <laughs> for tattoo. <laughs> but finally, you know, I, um, my grandmother, I've talked about her 5 billion times on the podcast, mm. but she's so important to me. Um, and uh, you know, I've had like three mediums now tell me that she's my guardian angel and that she really thinks that I'm art is my destiny and I need to be doing it. There's been a lot of that theme come yeah, up. Yeah. So I put her, it's her signature. I put it on my right arm because I'm right-handed and I thought I, that way I'm just channeling it. all of the creative energy. And every time I make something, she's now part of it because she's on that arm. So um, now I catch it out of the corner of my eye all the time. I could not love it more. Like I'm so, when I cried when the guy finished it and said, you want to see, I, and I cried. I just, oh. you know, now I feel like, okay, that was good. Although it didn't hurt at all. So I said to him, let's do a full sleeve. So I might've started something. He's like, lady, just yeah, he's take like, a just, minute. Yeah, just off take you go. Sec. Yeah. Um, and do you have like, so with your grandmother's name on your, your like writing arm, do you feel like when you're feeling um, stuck or you're not feeling confident about a direction you're moving in, do you feel like having her name there helps get you out? That's that? why I did it. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's brand new. I just did it like a month ago, but that's why I put it on that arm because I felt like when I do get blocked, um, I'll have the Blanche power. 
(laughs) to like, you know, keep, keep the energy flowing and um, keep it moving. Yeah. She's, she was like, um, she was always like my biggest fan. Um, But yeah, after she, she's been gone now for 25 years, 20, something like 23 years, I think. And, um, um, but I've had so many weird ghosty things happen with her or like mediums saying, oh, your grandmother's standing right behind you. And uh, she's really mad at you because you're not um, taking your art seriously. Do you know what she's talking about? I'm like, whoa. Yes. Yeah. So she's around. I have a big um, uh, risograph, risograph, yeah. Riso? Yeah. Riso. Um, yeah. print of her in pink um, in my studio on an easel. So when you come in, that's the first thing you see. And my, my yeah. mom was here. It's her, my mom's mom. Okay. And we went down, my mom's an artist, and we went down to my studio to make something together. And we walked in and there's this giant, <laughs> and, and it was a it was a photograph of my grandmother when she was about 19. It was the weekend that she met my grandpa. Yeah. And um, my mom walked in, she was like, oh, hi, mom. <laughs> and she's just sort of present, you know? Yeah, and, uh, oh, that's so nice. So it's really, you know, if I was ever going to do a tattoo, this is what makes sense, you know? Yeah, you're really lucky. I didn't grow up with grandparents. And so I, I really, when I hear about people having really close relationships with their grandparents, I just think that's so magical. Yeah, I was very lucky. My other grand, my dad's mom died before I was born and it was her dream to have a granddaughter. And I died, I think oh, she died, I think two years before I was born. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have her. And then, and then my dad's dad died when I was five. So I have a few memories of him, but yeah. my mom's parents were I mean I had them until I was in my 20s and very lucky to, to yeah for sure that's amazing anyway somehow I turned that not so speak <laughs> around into uh <laughs> stories about my dances and my tattoos but um love it this was so much fun I can't believe Ugh. it's taken us this long to do um I was writing my list for you know people I wanted to have on the podcast this yeah. season and I was thinking well surely I've had Sandeep on and I was like oh my god I haven't I've had Sarah on. Yeah. I'd have you guys yeah. as like a tag team one day. Yes, that'd be amazing. Um, yeah, I just want to... Five hours. <laughs> probably. <laughs> um, I just want to say thank you so much, Danielle. Like, I really appreciate you taking the time out and like everything that you do to support artists. Like, you've done so much to help people. It is literally my pleasure. I can't imagine. Like, I can't believe that this is my quote unquote job, you know? And yeah. so, uh, yeah, this is just, I'm never going to stop. Yay, us. Yeah. Yay. Okay. We'll go do 5 million amazing things. And uh, I'm going to do a great big post so that everyone can see all of this stuff. And I'll put links to all the shows and all the things that are coming up and, uh, and yeah, and, and they can go follow you on Instagram like I do and be like, what? (laughs) Thank you so much. You're welcome. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Bye. Isn't she fantastic? I love Sandeep's work her story, and her fire. <laughs> All of the images and links that we talked about are over on my site, thejealouscurator.com slash blog. That's where the new post is sitting, thejealouscurator.com slash blog. Uh, so pop over there and take a look. Huge, huge thanks to Sandy for taking time out of her insane schedule to hang out with us for an hour and a half. Thanks to Storyblocks for supporting yet another episode. And as always, great big thanks to you, for listening. There will be a new episode of Art for Your Ear in two weeks. See you then.